thanks so much for joining us and for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. Our hope as you listen in is that you might encounter Jesus, hear and receive his love, and be encouraged and empowered by his spirit to be and bring life and love to one another and to the other in your world. If you would like to get in touch with us or keep up to date with what's happening in and through the life of Steeple Church, please jump onto our website at steeplechurch.com.au or follow us on the socials via Facebook or Instagram at steeple.church. We're looking forward to meeting you one day soon, but in the meantime, enjoy the message. Bless your fam. Good to see all your faces here this morning. Uh, what happening in the life of Steeple Church? Um, one thing that wasn't mentioned is that there is a women's formation group happening and kicking off this Wednesday morning. If you'd like to be a part of that, um, have a chat with Mel um, and, and get along. I think the first, the first catch-up is really just to kind of cover what you'll be covering over the next six months. Um, I think there's a, there's a few people jumping into that. There's about four of our women who are jumping in, um, seven to eight in the morning, so nice and early before the day starts um, for most people. For some people, obviously not, but uh, well worth it. Um, I've been, you know, we piloted the first one with a, with a few men uh, last last year, and uh, it was really good fruit. And so, men expect there'll be another opportunity soon. We'll definitely uh, definitely kick one off uh, down the road. We're just in the middle of one at the moment. So, um, I come with some good news for those of you who were at um, Steeple Family Dinner a couple of weeks ago. I talked about um, a little bit about the desire for us as a church uh, to move towards a more collaborative leadership model. And I kind of shared that with those who are at the Steeple Family Dinner. If you'd like to know more about that, come and have a chat to me. Uh, but I also mentioned that we um, were hoping to actually employ someone in the role of what we're calling community and justice catalyst. And uh, the person that we offered the role to like six or seven weeks ago uh, walked the Camino Trail, took his time with it, uh, but he's come back with a yes. So uh, his name is Tree Nguyen. Um, yeah, you can give it yeah. So Tree has an amazing story. Um, he's also been in ministry for a couple of, almost a couple of decades. Um, and so he comes with some great experience. And I really think that he's going to be a great uh, gift to this community. He, he's actually starting tomorrow. He accepted the role last Monday. And he said, when do you want me to start? I said, well, mate, you've had seven weeks. So how about we start next week? Um, he was keen to do that. So you'll, you'll meet Tree and his family, his wife, Catherine. His son, Asher, will also be joining us um, in, in this community as well. And so I'll probably interview him and catch up and so we can get just like a little bit about his story. But make him feel welcome, um, as I'm sure you will. Um, but that's an exciting chapter, um, exciting new season um, in the life of our church as we uh, make decisions to intentionally move towards our community. Um, and so this is why we've actually called Tree, not the community and justice pastor, but Catalyst. We want him to actually help us create space and invite the community, uh, this community, to actually engage the community beyond the, four, beyond the four walls. And so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. So, awesome. Well, this morning, I'm going to be sharing from Romans chapter 12 on my favorite topic. Is anyone surprised that I'm speaking about hospitality again? Um, I don't know, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, did you guys ever play um, Punch Buggy No Returns when you, were, when you were a kid? Anyone play that or am I just too old? Anyone? Like wherever you saw like a V-dub, Beetle, you'd smack your brother or sister in the arm and say Punch Buggy No Returns? Okay, just a few of us. I'm really revealing our age. But when you started playing that game, you just started seeing V-dub Beatles everywhere. Um, and so it's kind of like me with hospitality. Um, I know that, I know, you know that it's starting to sink in when everyone's like, ugh, again. Um, but I'm going to preach about it again. Uh, Romans 12, verse 9 to 13. Let's read together. It says this, Love must be sincere. The Amplified Version says it this way, Love must be sincere and active, the real thing without guile and hypocrisy. 
Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again that we can gather around your table as JT shared about so well this morning. Father, we thank you that you invite us to your table, that everyone and anyone can find a seat in your presence. Father, as we open your word, I pray that um, we would hear your heart, that we would be uh, learning ultimately from you, your Holy Spirit. So anything that is not from you, Father, I pray that we would just disregard that. Anything that is, Lord, or whether it be a challenge um, or an opportunity to engage with you, I pray, God, that we'd be a people and a community that is open to that, that we'd be responsive um, in the way that Fiona shared about this morning, that we would respond to your generosity, your grace, your mercy, uh, your teaching this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I was to ask you this morning uh, whether you've experienced uh, or encountered conflict in your life, how many people in the room would say that they've experienced or walked through or maybe even currently engaged in conflict? There's a few, right? I feel like if you're a human and you're involved in relationships, uh, if you're involved in a church community, a sporting club, um, a friendship, a marriage, uh, you're probably going to experience conflict along the way, amen? Who loves conflict though? Yeah, <laughs> he says that, but Emmanuel is really gentle. He doesn't like, he doesn't like conflict. He, he, he pretends to be hard, but he's just, he's not that hard. Give him a cuddle afterwards. Maybe we'll have conflict. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's experiment with that this morning. Let's see if he really does. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't love conflict, but I actually feel like conflict is definitely uh, a necessary part of relationships, not even necessary. It's like it's an inevitable part of doing life with other people. And there is a difference, though, between healthy conflict and unhealthy conflict, right? Amen? Uh, most of us, when we think about conflict, we go straight to negative. A lot of us are conflict-averse. Um, but I actually think there's a healthy way to do conflict and an unhealthy way to do conflict. A healthy conflict is one that occurs in a relationship that is marked by mutual respect and trust. The people in that relationship should be able to express different thoughts or opinions without being bullied or put down for having a difference of opinion. In church land, you might come into a space and have a different theology, um, a different idea about how God operates, who God is, how he rolls. You might also have a different opinion about philosophy of ministry or the way that we actually embody our theology, our understanding of God. Uh, and so in church land, we, should, we need to get better, I think, at healthy conflict, at actually holding difference, uh, not just culturally, um, but also theologically, philosophically, we need to get better at holding conflict and hearing one another. In unhealthy relational conflict, one person or group will often attempt to manipulate, assert power over, or dominate another by, taking, by talking over them, blaming, claiming superiority, or putting the other person down with negative statements. Unhealthy conflict rarely leads to a positive resolution without a third party's intervention. Uh, I'm sure that we've both maybe experienced, we've all experienced maybe both of these kinds of conflicts. Sadly, I think in church land, uh, sometimes, the, well, the ones that kind of stick out are often the unhealthy conflicts. I can, I can give you probably, you know, 10 unhealthy conflict stories to every one positive healthy conflict story. And I'd really like to change or swing the tide on that one. Um, in the scripture that we've just read from Romans chapter 12, this is kind of what's happening 
on a larger scale in the Roman church that Paul is writing to here. Paul, in this letter to the Roman church, is intervening in a conflict that was teetering on, if not slipping over the edge of healthy conflict into unhealthy conflict territory. Paul is writing this letter from the island of Corinth, sight unseen to a church that is under constant pressure uh, and constant threat of persecution. And he has heard of the division and the conflicts that are arising uh, within this Roman church, this new church. And Paul is writing to a church that is divided between Jewish believers and Gentile believers who are getting hung up on different theology, different practices, which rules and traditions, which laws to follow, which ones are most important, which ones get you in, which ones keep you in, and then which ones exclude you entirely from the community. They're experiencing conflict and they are divided on every issue from cultural and ethnic perspectives on theology, worship practices, food laws, and how to practice the Sabbath. This is a church under pressure and in conflict. And even though this letter was written in AD 57, about you know, 2,000 odd years ago, I feel like we can relate a bit. If this letter was written to the church of Melbourne in our context today, I mean, pick your area of conflict. For us, our areas of conflict and division might be around who to vote for, uh, what we think about vaccinations, whether uh, people from the LGBTQI community would be welcome to sit at the table and serve at the table. Women in leadership and women in ministry, how we should worship, which songs we should sing, how we should serve those in need. And unfortunately, the list goes on and on and on, right? As it just me, I'm not living in a bubble, right? But I feel like this letter might have something to say to us. Even though it was written over 2,000 years ago, it might have something to say to us in the here and now. So Paul as the kind of third party, the person who's intervening, is attempting to bring unity through this letter, not by attacking, dehumanizing, or diminishing people or their culture or their perspectives, but by reminding, refocusing, and regrounding the church in the who and the what unifies them the most. It's a good technique. I love Paul's style. And what's interesting to me is that it's, it wasn't their traditions and it wasn't their specific culture that united them. And it wasn't even their theology or their understanding of the law or their worship expression or their worship expression styles. Paul here, now all those things are good by the way, but they're not the thing that ultimately united them. Paul here in Romans 12 offers us a kind of uh, unifying remedy or rhythm or reminder that centers around the person of Jesus who embodied love and who practiced love by practicing hospitality. A person and a practice that decentered and emptied himself, if you read Philippians 2, of power and privilege and devoted himself to centering and serving the voices and the interests of others or of the other in the world. Amen? God in Jesus embodied the love Paul is talking about here in Romans 12. It's a love that is supposed to unite a love that is joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer and presence. What an invitation. I think for me, I often, uh, if I'm experiencing conflict or I'm having a discussion around theology, the greatest way to bring us both on track or to identify, hey, we're never gonna be on the same track is when you start talking about Jesus and you start saying, hey, I hear what you're saying. I hear your theology. I hear what you think about that. What do you think? that looks like if we put it through the person and the practice of Jesus. I think it's the way that we should be as a church. We should always bring it back 
to Jesus. And that's what I see Paul doing here in Romans 12. He exhorts the church to be a community that practices hospitality by embodying the person and the practice of Jesus, who crossed cultural, political, theological, and philosophical divisions in order to unite, to reconcile, and redefine, or to hold and mold all of humanity together by embodying a love that lays itself down. Amen? Awesome. Colossians 1, I love this scripture in the message version. Colossians 1 verse 15 to 20 says this, is really poetic. I love the language. It says this, we look at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything God started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. That's a beautiful scripture. I think it's worth reminding ourselves this morning that we are encouraged, especially as the church, to center ourselves around the person and the practice of Jesus. And when we practice the kind of love and practice the kind of hospitality that Paul invites us to in Romans 12, we embody Jesus. We participate in the work of justice or the making things right. And in the process, reveal our own justification or our own right alignment with Jesus or our own righteousness or the where and the what and the in whom we find ourselves. Are you still with me? You picking up what I'm putting down? I'd like to throw that one out there. Our right standing or our alignment with and in Jesus or our justification, they're all the big theological words, will always result in the work, witness, and in the way of Jesus, which is the way of justice or of making things right, and of making the right things. In other words, people who love Jesus will always be known and recognized by a life of active and sincere love toward the other in our world. You want to know uh, if somebody's a follower of Jesus, you've got to look at the way they live, not the way they argue or debate, not how much theology they know, um, not even how involved they might be in church. Look at the way that they love the other in their world. There's a guy that I, that I follow on Instagram. I think he's a pastor, but I like what he said here. Um, Ian Simpkins, he said, the Hebrew word for personal righteousness or justification is tzedakah. The Hebrew word for outward justice is the same word. Biblically speaking, you cannot separate personal righteousness from outward works of justice. May we not separate what God has joined together. There's a challenge, but also maybe an encouragement. Another way of saying that is that a justified person participates in the work of justice, amen? And the work of justice, simply put, is actually an invitation into hospitality. Another way of saying this, and scripture says it this way, don't pretend to love one another, 
really love one another. Amen? And we must not separate this encouragement from the context in which it was made here in Romans 12. The exhortation here in the, to the Roman church is to practice love by practicing hospitality, to engage, I believe, in the work of justice, the making uh, of the right things, um, is not simply with those who are easy to get along with, right? It's easy to practice hospitality with those who agree with you. Um, but, but it's actually an invitation to practice hospitality, to love it in a way that is sincere and active, especially or specifically with those we disagree with or those we are in conflict with. He's writing this letter to a church that is in conflict and he's saying, you need to practice hospitality. You need to engage with the people that you're actually in conflict with. Invite them to your table. It's a call for those who know Jesus to be the first to lay down their weapons, which might even include the word of God. I know I'm preaching to the choir in this room, right? Right? Okay, cool. Thanks, amen. You're me. We got this. So it's a call for those who know Jesus to be the first to lay down their weapons. As people who are about the person of Jesus and who say they follow Jesus, we are to practice hospitality that prioritizes those who are unlike us, who might disagree with us, and who are different to us culturally, theologically, philosophically, socioeconomically, experientially, and stylistically to us. Amen? I'm saying this and I'm petrified because it's hard work. Hospitality isn't easy if you want to practice it the way that Jesus practiced it. It is actually hard. It is challenging to lay down your weapons. It is challenging to lay down your agendas and actually invite people who you may have a disagreement with or a different idea about who God is um, to the table. It's, but it's this kind of hospitality in the context of this scripture that puts flesh to our faith and adds tangible credibility to our witness to and amongst those who might be looking in on us from a different faith or a different life perspective. Can I get an amen? And it seems consistent with the words, the witness and the way of hospitality, which I see in the way of Jesus. Matthew 5 verse 44 says this, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's a challenge. I'm challenged by this call to unity through the practice of hospitality that Paul is making here in Romans to be a person um, and to lead a church that devotes itself to and honours the other above ourselves. That is a church that is joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer for and toward and with those who bring the gift of difference and diversity to our table. It's, um, it's the church I see. Um, but if you think I'm inviting you into a nice, lovely place that just serves good coffee, no, I'm actually inviting and I want our church to actually be in this kind of space. And that's actually why uh, we've engaged and, and, and we're going to be employing Tree. He is brilliant at this. His whole life is about this. He's a man, when you hear part of his story, he understands what divine hospitality looks like and feels like. And in fact, his story is one of experiencing hospitality that completely transformed his life, his family's life, and actually is the reason why he follows Jesus to this day. And so he's gonna teach us some things. And I'm excited. I'm also nervous because he's gonna call me out of the safety of this space where we all, generally speaking, have similar experiences, similar stories, now, I know there's diversity in here, but I'm, I'm, I'm really going to be a church that is quite a lot more diverse than what we are right now. That's the aspirational goal. Um, so here's what I want to do this morning. Off the back of that, 
uh, over the next 15 minutes or so, I actually want us to explore together. Now, who lo- who's introverted? In- no, you're not going to put your hand up if I ask you who- who's introverted, but don't you love it when the, when the, when the preacher says, hey, we're going to get into small groups? I don't know about you, but I'm like, <laughs> but I really feel like I, I want to kind of explore this morning because I think maybe out-, out of this, there might be some-, some things that we discover together. But in Romans 12, that we read at the start, 10 to 13, um, there are some things that I want us to uh, kind of explore together. Um, and so I'm going to encourage, maybe we'll just split up into, I don't know, groups of four, or five, um, whatever you feel comfortable with. And we're going to explore some of the things um, that Romans 12 encourages us to do and see what comes out of it. So we've got some questions. Um, and the questions are this. What do, the first question is this. Uh, what does it mean to be devoted to one another in love? Um, and I've put a scripture that I like to look at, look of. You can use that scripture or you can just have a conversation about it. Uh, and so I want one group to, to ask the question of that. What does it mean to be, to, or a couple of groups, what does it mean to be devoted to one another in love? What does that look like? Um, what should it look like in your opinion? We might come up with a whole bunch of different, different answers. The second group or, or the second question is, what does it mean to be joyful in hope? What does that look like? What does it mean? Third one, what does it mean to be patient in affliction? What does it mean to be faithful in prayer? And then the second question is, what is one practice around each of those questions that we could engage in as a community that might foster a culture of sincere and active loves? I'm going to take some of these things and and the team will pray on it and we'll we'll begin to sort of see what we continue to come up with as a a church community. But continue to pray about it, continue to think about it, continue to bring your, your thoughts and ideas because we genuinely want to be a church that embodies hospitality. Amen? So, you know, I've talked about it. We've talked about it as a community for five years. What I'm excited about as we move into next year, especially uh, um, with, the, with the new build and uh, hopefully soon they've put the roof on so we might go for a walk and check out that space. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm really aware that as we get a building, I actually think it, becomes, it can become harder for us to be a church that engages in hospitality beyond the four walls of a building. Because hist- history sort of tells me, and my short experience in Christian land tells me that once you get a building, you think you have made it. And hospitality becomes, we've got to invite everyone to the property. I want to be really clear that I actually think that, that the challenge for us as we get into that space is to continue to look out and be a church that moves towards the margins, that takes all of this stuff seriously. And I know that it's all aspirational now, but I just want us to, um, to take this stuff seriously and, and to help hold one another to account to be a church that continues to practice hospitality, not just in the space, but from the space. Amen? Amen? So, um, beautiful. Let's pray and, uh, and then let's talk around a coffee. Um, but I wanted to leave us with this thought from Martin Luther King Jr. He says this, Love is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. And I feel like that for me captures not just what hospitality is about, but what this scripture that we focused on uh, this morning is about. For me, hospitality is what love looks like when it's dressed in flesh. And so every one of us in this room has the potential and the opportunity to be people of hospitality. We pray, Father, thank you so much for the conversation we've had this morning. I pray, God, that it wouldn't just, um, yeah, just we wouldn't just be a church that leaves it at that. Father, we do trust that... Um, that your word never returns void. And I feel like we've shared your word this morning. I know I've heard it from your community, your church. And so help us to be a church that not only talks about love, but really loves. Um, In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks again for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged as you listen in. As I said at the top of the podcast, we loved having and hosting you in this way, but we'd love to hear from you and pray for you. So please drop us a line via our website or better yet, if you're local to Melbourne, drop in on one of our Sunday gatherings. Peace and love, friends. Have a great week.